0: Bail reforms begin. Bill C-48 does deal with our most serious criminals that are out there on our streets.
1: The changes that could keep violent repeat offenders in jail longer, and where the new rules fall short.
2: The massive development shaking up Vancouver's west side. The city, especially for a big site like this, needs to have more information. One group very concerned about what lies underneath the Jericho lands.
1: And the final curtain for a Cowichan theater.
3: I thought that they were all excited to keep it open, and suddenly it's closed.
1: The cliffhanger ending for the community's only movie house. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have those stories for you in just a moment. But first, we begin with breaking details about a police incident in Coquitlam.
1: A brazen daylight shooting on a busy block. And our Troy
4: Charles is live near the scene with the latest. Troy, what's happening there now? Brazen indeed, Chris. That's exactly how Coquitlam RCMP are describing the daytime shooting that took place in the area behind me here near Johnson Street and Glen Drive and the reported details of what happened are alarming. From a press release, RCMP say just before 3 p.m., frontline officers attended a shooting in progress. Police received multiple reports that multiple individuals had shot at a vehicle and were pointing a firearm. Responding officers located bullet holes and casings in the area. Police located two suspects believed to be involved in the shooting. There are no reported injuries at this time. RCMP are now asking anyone who may have witnessed the shooting or saw a man pointing a firearm in the area of Johnson Street and Glen Drive to contact police. They're also asking anyone who may have dash cam, cell phone or home surveillance video between 2.30 and 3.30 p.m. in that area to contact them. And as you can see behind me here, the police tape is still And the uh, police tape that we have is still blocking a stretch of Glen Drive, just south of Glen Eagle Secondary School. Now in Coquitlam here, this is a residential area with many homes. Certainly a very concerning afternoon here in Coquitlam.
1: No doubt it was. Troy Charles reporting for us. Thanks, Troy.
2: Now following years of intense pressure from the Canadian public, police and politicians, it is finally harder for repeat violent offenders to get bail.
1: Kristen Robinson has reaction to the new laws and the chronic offenders it's most likely to affect.
5: Elliot Castles was released from custody after being charged with robbery and possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose, accused in this 2022 Yale Town boutique heist where police say the suspects bear sprayed two employees. While on bail, Castles was convicted of assault with a weapon last summer. Still, the 29-year-old who has 77 B.C. convictions since 2012, including breach of probation, possessing weapons, and assault, may not be impacted by bail reforms. We're
6: hoping that the offender's criminal history will be brought on the table.
5: Under reverse onus bail, the presumption is an accused will be detained before trial unless they can show the court why they should be released.
7: The law has shifted now rather than bail being automatic.
5: Reverse onus only applies to someone charged with a serious offense involving violence using a weapon and who's been convicted of a similar offense within the last five years, or someone who was previously convicted or given a discharge for an intimate partner violence offense.
8: We're going to pay really close attention to this.
5: Although Battered Women's Support Services says the majority of intimate partner violence cases are never reported to police, and don't enter the criminal justice system.
9: In that way, this
5: amendment, this uh, reform will actually impact a very, very small portion
4: of victims and uh, offenders.
5: Others say the criminal code changes won't slow the revolving door of chronic offenders in and out of jail for crimes including street disorder and theft, which are plaguing many BC communities.
7: Many folks need
6: secure and voluntary care, particularly those who are deep in addiction suffering from severe brain injury, uh, mental health issues and trauma. And there really aren't criminal cases. They're committing criminal acts, they're frightening to the public. But what they really need is long-term care and treatment. It is a step in the right direction. We feel that there should be more work done on lower level crimes that uh, do impact public safety.
7: This will strengthen the reverse onus provisions related to repeat violence but it's not the only tools that our system has.
5: BC's Attorney General says judges will continue to weigh public safety risks when making bail decisions. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
2: Now, where the public won't see any impact from the new bail reforms, as Kristen mentioned, are prolific shoplifters and vandals targeting businesses across the provinces. So many communities have voiced concern about the lack of help by the province. A group dedicated to finding a solution has recently doubled in size. Alyssa Thiebaud joins us in downtown Vancouver tonight. Alyssa, Save Our Streets says communities all over B.C. are affected by this.
10: Yeah, Sophie, they say that this is not just a Vancouver issue. It's not even an issue just impacting big cities. Even small communities right across the province are saying they have never seen crime this bad. So the London Drugs is one of the founding members of this new coalition and it is growing quickly. Just two months after launching a coalition to urge all levels of government to deal with crime and street disorder, a group called Save Our Streets has gone from 30 members to nearly 60.
11: We've um, doubled in size and it hasn't been through a lot of recruiting process, it's just been through word of mouth.
10: Members are all across the province including Vancouver, Nanaimo, Quinnell, Cranbrook, Nelson, Prince George. Community members saying they're at a tipping point.
1: For us. Um property crime is a, is a big part of that and um, you know it's it's frustrating it costs us a lot of money and it's a uh, and it's not just it's not just something that uh, wears on uh, us as business owners downtown it, it's it's business owners across the community.
10: The group believes BC families are paying, on average, an extra $500 a year for goods at retail stores, saying businesses are having to raise prices to recoup costs of added security and theft.
12: We have to add in extra security. Uh, we have to... People are afraid to come to some of their downtowns and government offices, their own government offices. And, of course, it costs all citizens money for the crime the pursuit of justice and for the incarceration when that rarely happens, but it
11: affects us all.
10: Many of the issues raised are complex, and the group admits it doesn't
11: know what the solution is. We don't have the expertise, we don't have the financial resources, government has those. And we're saying to government, we're not telling you how to fix this problem, but we are telling you to fix it.
10: Last month, Vancouver Police said they made more than 260 arrests in the latest crackdown targeting shoplifters. VPD says the Save Our Streets Coalition is raising awareness.
6: So what they've done is they've shone a spotlight in terms of some of the problems that we've been talking about for the last number of years. And I think only through this dialogue uh, we're going to start to see perhaps some legislative change.
2: Hmm. Well, will we or won't we? (laughs) Alyssa, what does the province have to say about it? Yeah, so we put that question to
10: Jobs Minister Brenda Bailey today. She first off said that she shares some of these concerns being raised and says the province is working on some programs to help. There is funding available to help with vandalism. She says there is money going into mental health and addictions treatments, but this issue was not created overnight and it certainly won't be solved overnight. Sophie? All right, thanks for
2: that. Alyssa Chivo reporting live in downtown Vancouver.
1: There is deep concern about threats of violence against local businesses. At least one home has already been shot at since intimidating letters showed up demanding people pay for protection. As Angela Jung reports, fear is inspiring one man to organize a public forum to deal with it. Do, do not think this is a fake letter.
9: This letter has caused panic for weeks, claiming to be written by gangsters from India asking for protection money.
2: And the people are very, very much scared right now. And the, a lot of people got phone calls and letters. And they're not reporting this RCMP.
9: That's why Satish Kumar, a temple president, is organizing a forum.
2: There's going to be a full hall, we're using that. Inviting that
9: police that and politicians Just to speak to, mean, to the community they? at Surrey's Reflections Banquet Hall Saturday. He felt compelled after his son's home was shot at while everyone was asleep last Wednesday. They have no idea why they were targeted, who did it, or whether it was related to the extortion. Even
2: I, myself, and my son never received this letter.
9: Kumar says they were never threatened. In Edmonton, police are investigating 18 incidents related to an alleged extortion scheme targeting the South Asian business community, demanding large sums of money. There have been drive-by shootings and homes torched. Abbotsford police say they are in contact with police in Edmonton and other jurisdictions. Face
6: value and the MO seems similar that we investigate those avenues as well. Whether or not they are directly linked to the Abbotsford letter and threats is yet to be seen and confirmed. However, we are looking into
13: that as well.
9: In Edmonton, six young men and a minor have been charged. Surrey RCMP have linked this shooting in White Rock to the extortion allegations. Two men in their 20s were arrested last week and released without charges. A local business owner who says he was extorted for two million dollars and whose home was later shot at tells us he won't feel safe until the people responsible are arrested. We've agreed to protect his identity because he's afraid for his safety. He says we're in a panic They maybe have eyes on me, my business or my home. I don't know. Kumar says that's exactly why they're holding the event.
2: So uh, we tell the public, you know, don't be scared.
9: Angela Jung, Global News.
2: A Mexican traveler has been sentenced to six years behind bars for trying to bring drugs into the country through Abbotsford International Airport. Border guards found two kilograms of methamphetamine and one kilogram of cocaine within the false side of a suitcase back in March of 2023. Martha Alvarado Lopez was arrested. Charges included a possession of a controlled substance for the purpose of trafficking.
1: The search for a Vernon area senior recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's and missing since Tuesday continues to intensify. Police say 83-year-old Robert Lee Baines wandered off from his Ponderosa Way home near Kalamalka Lake Provincial Park and they are centering their search efforts there. The search includes at least six search and rescue groups and RCMP detachments. With Baines' survival at stake, every available resource is being brought in.
12: No direction of travel, um, so that definitely complicates things hugely. Uh, wet weather is terrible for hypothermia and exposure, things like
1: that. Robert Baines is described as 5 foot 9, 200 pounds, bald with brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a green Tilly hat, a green jacket with a grey undershirt, blue jeans and white hiking shoes.
2: Well, the city is moving forward with the proposed development of, Jer- of the Jericho lands. Later this month, they'll be dis- a meeting rather, with developers presenting their vision for the area. But one group of concerned citizens says before making any decisions, a study of what's under the land must be completed. Paul Johnson reports.
6: They've had years to do this. Why haven't they done it at this point so we know what we're getting?
11: Murray Hendren and Susan Fisher say that before the City of Vancouver considers the massive Jericho lands development proposal, it needs to know what's going on with groundwater at the 90 acre site. From information he got from a drilling crew a few years ago, Hendren believes there's a substantial amount of water there.
6: They mentioned that there is uh, that the part of these lands are underlain by an artesian aquifer.
11: An artesian aquifer is underground water under pressure and it's something to be careful of. Here's some of the aftermath from when a Carisdale homeowner accidentally drilled into one a few years ago. That cost the city millions to fix. So they'll need to know what lies beneath the Jericho lands.
2: I think the city should wait.
11: In just a couple of weeks, City Council is set to consider the proposal. But without a completed hydrogeological study there's a question over how much of the vision they'll be presenting will actually turn out to be buildable, including plans for an eventual subway station.
2: So I think the city, especially for a big site like this, needs to have more information before they approve even in general terms what the proponents want.
11: The developers told Global News they have plans to address the hydrological situation at the site. And the city said there will be a study done just not in time for their january 24th review of the concept which concerned neighbors are invited to attend and no doubt will in vancouver paul johnson global news
1: the last remaining movie theater in the cowichan valley has closed its doors the owner of the caprice cinema in duncan says a 300 percent rent increase was the fatal blow But as Kylie Stanton reports, the mayor hopes it's not the theater's final act.
14: There are no lights, camera, or action. The only thing coming to the Caprice Theater anytime soon is a whole lot of disappointment. It's kind of heartbreaking that it's closing down, I think. another thing that got eaten by our economy. After four decades under various operators, the last 10 being Hollywood 3 cinemas, the screens at Duncan's last remaining movie theater have faded to black.
1: It's not easy to give up something uh, that you know you've worked so hard at. Uh, but again it had to be done. you know we didn't have a choice.
14: The building's Hong Kong-based landlord had increased the rent by 300 percent. Upping it from two to six thousand dollars per month. Pre-pandemic, that may have been manageable, but between streaming and new regulations from movie distributors, things have changed, putting the theater several months behind in payments.
1: He gave us 15 days either to come up with a huge amount of money or to vacate.
14: The closure now leaves Duncan residents with no choice but to travel 40 minutes in either direction to catch a film in either Nanaimo or Langford. Oh no, I didn't even think of that. That also means letting go of the nostalgia, what this theater may have lacked in size and scale it made up for in heart
6: my probably earliest recollection is seeing led zeppelin the song remains the same
4: it was always just lovely to to come here and not be totally accosted by the technology they just have it be a little bit more of an old style it was here and it felt like our hometown
14: but don't roll the final credits just yet duncan's mayor has since reached out to the owners in an effort to come up with a solution Potentially finding a space for a nonprofit community amenity, not only for movies but for community events, screenings, and festivals.
1: Paul River has done that. Nelson has done that. I'm just optimistic that, you know, something will uh, will work out.
2: Kylie Stanton, Global News. Big trouble on a
0: notorious BC highway there is no way for us to be able to enforce our traffic laws.
2: After several major crashes, some of them deadly, the mayor a barrier is raging against out-of-province drivers who speed through his community with little or no consequences. Why getting a ticket doesn't make a difference. Next on the news hour.
6: In my early days on the island, its woods were my quick escape to the wild.
1: Former mayor, scientist and documentarian Bob Turner reflects on a lifetime of adventure protecting the natural beauty of Bowen Island and beyond later on the News Hour,
2: And what's in the future for this Prince George time capsule resurfacing long before it was planned? That's still to come tonight.
1: Right now, though, advocates are demanding better protection along Highway 5 in the interior and say out-of-province drivers are part of the problem.
2: As Travis Prasad reports, they say those who take safety risks face little to no penalty.
13: Highway 5 between Kamloops and Jasper continues to prove deadly. On December 28th, two separate crashes just minutes apart killed four people. One concerned resident counted 49 crashes on this stretch of highway in 2023 with 15 people losing their lives.
15: It's not getting any better, it's only getting worse. And the volume of traffic that comes through here It is a supply chain from Vancouver to Edmonton.
13: We have a significant issue with out-of-province drivers. The mayor of Barrier says private and commercial drivers from Alberta don't always recognize the risks. Speeding and making aggressive maneuvers in areas that locals know are dangerous.
0: And it's very frustrating for all of the people that live in the valley when we see these type of drivers and there's nothing we can do about it.
13: When Alberta license holders are handed a ticket in BC, there's nothing requiring them to pay up. BC does not have an interprovincial agreement with Alberta to enforce traffic penalties.
3: You
9: won't be sent to collections. It's not going to be something that ends up uh, causing you to get arrested for owing money to the government. It just sits out there as a fine payable and no enforcement action is taken.
13: The offence does not go on their record. The demerit points given in this province don't apply to Alberta drivers.
9: Even if you're found driving again in British Columbia after having gotten a ticket as an Alberta driver, you still can't be pulled over and forced to pay the ticket or investigated because you have an outstanding traffic fine.
0: I'd like to see the minister do more in being able to make sure that we hold those drivers accountable.
13: We reached out to the Public Safety Minister and Solicitor General's office but did not hear back in time for broadcast. Meanwhile, communities along the highway wonder when tragedy will strike next.
5: The people of this area are really scared that the next accident is going to be
13: somebody else we know and love. Travis Prasad, Global News.
2: Just ahead, the soggiest season.
13: Wet, wet, wet. feel wet.
11: Wet. wet,
2: Workers hit hard with local ski hills struggling. What they're doing to survive.
1: And the infectious disease health experts are keeping a very close eye on these days, especially among children. A slow start to winter and a snow-starved ski season are making things very difficult for ski hill workers right now.
2: Cassidy Moscone has the latest on that and some important advice for skiers and boarders from a climate scientist.
3: A warm winter plus a slow snow season equals a seasonal worker's worst nightmare.
11: Wet. Wet. you're Wet.
3: Limited terrain open on all North Shore mountains, forcing some employees to take to social media in search of extra work. Experts point the finger at climate change.
6: El Nino is a a frequent event, and if you look at the data, they're progressively getting worse, in particular with temperature.
3: Over on Grouse Mountain, operators say visitor numbers actually increased this holiday season on last year. With its peak of Christmas offerings, the year-round resort reopening a number of summer activities too, creating shifts for snow staff. In a statement, the resort president told Global News they are doing the best they can to support staff, including free meals for staff working over the holiday period, ongoing transit subsidies and a food basket program, offering a selection of free grocery staples to staff. Up in Whistler, conditions at base are certainly unseasonable. But mountain operators say they are fully staffed working at capacity. Telling Global News there has been no mountain closures this season. We have a ski acreage of 6,100, which is 74% of our full terrain footprint, including the newly opened alpine terrain lifts. We received no reply from Seymour or Cyprus. One thing's for sure, all operators will be looking forward to next week's forecast. Snow is predicted on all North Shore mountains with sub-zero temperatures.
6: If you have a chance, it looks like January is going to have a couple of weeks of cooler, wetter weather. Get out while you have a chance.
3: Incoming assistance from Mother Nature. Cassidy Moscone, Global News.
1: The mild weather is also causing some big concerns for Okanagan fruit growers. Farmers are having to irrigate more because without the snow, there's less moisture. And the drought is creating obstacles as farmers rely on the snowpack to fill up reservoirs. When those are low, they have less water to irrigate the land. And the lack of snow is creating problems that go beyond winter.
13: What the snow does is if we do get a cold snap it kind of creates a blanket for the roots so it protects the roots especially on the young trees that we plant um you know in the springtime if it does get really cold that that snow creates a blanket it keeps the roots warm and and then in the springtime when it melts off it it moisturizes the soil 2023
1: was the driest on record in Kelowna
2: coming up better suicide prevention
15: if there's a deterrent there visually it can stop a lot of people from jumping.
2: With new measures built onto the historic Golden Gate Bridge, some wonder why the same can't be done here on the Alex Fraser.
1: Also tonight, making a splash in Howe Sound Conservation. How the former mayor of Bowen Island is helping preserve the place he calls home. From breaking news to developing stories, no one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust. Global News Hour is 6. We are
2: BC's News.
1: Perfectly timed shot of that bridge because first responders and crisis centers have been calling for suicide prevention barriers on the Alex Fraser and other Metro Vancouver bridges, hoping to save lives.
2: The Ministry of Transportation says it can't be done, citing technical reasons. But as Janet Brown reports, the barriers have just been installed on one of the world's most famous bridges. And it is nearly 90 years old.
7: Around 2,000 people have jumped to their deaths from the Golden Gate Bridge since it opened in 1937. Now it has a suicide barrier. It's
11: stainless steel and it has some given it and it's designed to catch
7: people. For decades, families who lost loved ones to suicide at the bridge have called for a solution. If it wasn't for the families, this would not have gotten done because they kept going and they kept telling them this is a problem. Here in Metro Vancouver, there have also been calls for a suicide barrier on the Alex Fraser Bridge.
4: You look at the San Francisco Bridge being 87 years old, it's significantly much older than the Alex Fraser Bridge. So I would hope that there would be some technology that would allow us to be able to put suicide barriers onto it.
7: Delta's police chief says there were five suicides last year on the Alex Fraser Bridge.
4: What is a life worth?
7: the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure says the Alex Fraser Bridge was not designed to safely accommodate tall safety fencing, as any additional barrier or fencing would create stress on the structure.
4: The wind loading on the bridge was also an
16: engineering challenge, so we worked through that process over the last few years.
7: The Sunshine Skyway Bridge in Florida A cable-stayed bridge similar to the Alex Fraser averaged about one suicide a month before suicide fencing was installed in 2021.
4: Where there's a will, there's a way. You know, if there's the political will to be able to move this forward, I think there might be an engineering solution.
7: The Golden Gate Bridge is 2.7 kilometers and the cost to install the suicide barrier was $224 million. By comparison, the Alex Fraser Bridge is 2.5 kilometers long and the cost to install a barrier?
4: I mean, we have to be realistic. It has to be funded and there has to be a will to be able to do it. But at least let's work on it and see if we can find a solution.
7: The Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure's policy now requires New bridge designs to include safety barriers. Janet Brown, Global News.
1: And a reminder, if you are struggling, you can call or text 988 to reach the Suicide Crisis Helpline. That service is available Canada-wide, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
2: A third child has now died of complications linked to the flu in this province. It comes as doctors across the country say strep A is making the rounds and some provinces are seeing a spike in case numbers year over year. For the most part, it is treatable. But as health reporter Catherine Ward explains, there can also be serious risks associated with the
8: infection. Managing (laughs) coughs, sore throats, runny noses and headaches are common battles fought during the winter. Doctors say group A streptococcus could be the culprit.
4: It's pretty common when you think about strep throat.
8: But invasive group A streptococcal infections, commonly referred to as eye gas, can be deadly.
4: The severe infections, the invasive strep A infections remain rare, but we certainly see a trend towards increasing cases.
8: Health Canada says early data for IGAS suggests disease activity in 2023 is higher compared to pre-pandemic years, particularly in children under 15 years of age. In 2023, Nova Scotia reported 94 cases, the highest number in five years. PEI also saw an increase, reporting 28 cases, mainly in adults. In Alberta, there were 739 cases compared to 434 the previous year. Because the data is tracked by calendar year, some doctors say it may not capture current eye gas trends. Dr. Dominic Mertz says recent case counts are not huge in Ontario, but important to watch.
4: We are looking at 150 cases in Ontario uh, over October, November for each month. So it's relatively small numbers, but as I said, it, it's more than what we would have expected three, four, five years ago.
8: Towards the end of December, the BC Centre for Disease Control issued a notice about cases of eye gas on the rise in children after two deaths were reported. Dr. Brian Conway says those tragedies had compounding factors.
16: The two cases that occurred that led to the, uh, the death of the children was an initial respiratory infection with influenza that was particularly severe and on top of that there was a secondary infection with a bacteria group A streptococcus or group A strep that unfortunately led uh, to their demise.
8: Infectious diseases physicians say strep A can often be treated with medication and the most important thing is to remember to seek medical help if symptoms get worse. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto.
1: Just ahead, you'll meet the hero of how Sound.
6: I just thought to myself, there's enough here to keep me busy for a lifetime.
1: How few people have done more to restore the natural beauty that surrounds Bowen Island than former mayor Bob Turner.
2: Also ahead, the sport that just reinvented itself to get into the Olympics.
15: Started out not that great. It's a soggy start. But I saw some sunshine. <laughs> yeah, it was not bad this afternoon. And a little bit of instability out there, but we'll take it through the overnight. About a 30% chance of seeing a few showers tomorrow morning. However, periods of rain pick up. It is going to be a very soggy one tomorrow. Southeasterly winds are going to pick up by the water. And snow will pick up later into the evening and through the overnight tomorrow for our local mountains. So that's the good news. Our temperatures are taking a huge decline as we get into next week. That's out towards the freight. Valley and one look here towards the interior region just clicking ahead there you go we're going to be dropping to double digits by next week so we've got snow on the way pockets of it as well as a drop in temperatures we've got the system moving in on the north coast through the overnight tonight we are going to be seeing snow through all of our coastal mountains Uh, central interior we'll see a few flurries and then through the interior tomorrow night is really the main snow event as those temperatures drop significantly from what we have been seeing in these double digits even today. Today, we're in the double digits for Vancouver, a warm spot across uh, the entire country, actually. So snow on the way for the interior, especially for all our ski resorts, snow for the mountain passes, even the ski to sky, we'll be seeing a rain snow mix to start and then about five centimeters by tomorrow afternoon. So we do have active weather for the coast, sand spit expecting potentially some thunderstorms, a few flurries otherwise, changing to rain for the afternoon for Terrace with a high of two degrees through the interior tomorrow, uh, a little bit north, it'll just be a few flurries, but revel Stoke, about two to four accumulated snowfall and then more snow on the way through the overnight even around Kelowna. Very wet and windy about 20 to 30 millimeters both Tofino and Port Alberni. It'll be gusty conditions even for the Sunshine Coast as that rain picks up. Southeasterly winds are going to be very gusty uh, for us here by the water. Temperatures only making it into the single digits tomorrow and then the potential for snow arrives Sunday night through the overnight into your Monday for the first day back to school for the kids. We could be seeing some snow at sea level. Let's take a look at this gorgeous photo an afternoon bloom over the Squamish River this was taken on New Year's Eve by Sue Stafford thank you for sending this in there's our central windows weather window back to you
2: thank you Steph very tranquil photo thank Mm -hmm. you
15: Uh, Prince George
2: time capsule from 2001 that was buried in the ground has been dug up by city crews but there are no plans to open it at least not yet
1: that's right the city is home to several time capsules That are placed underground in various locations now crews recently moved one of them out of millennium park after clearing out an encampment there it's three feet tall made of stainless steel and it's meant to last at least a hundred years
15: the community mostly brought us images of kids rooms and hockey teams those sorts of things But we are a science center, and we also included a water sample. There's an air sample in here, a sample of soil. So 100 years out, it'll be really interesting to take those samples and chemically compare them to what's gone on in Prince George in the ensuing years.
1: The exploration place won't open the capsule, but it will instead keep it safe in their collection vault with plans to open it 77 years from now. Mm. Right on plan.
2: What would you put in a time capsule?
1: <laughs> For, from here?
2: Sure, from anywhere.
1: VHS tape?
2: You still have them.
16: Beta tape, yeah, we, Your we still Your old
2: audition tapes? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Squire, what would you put in a time capsule?
16: Hmm. hmm. I autographed Tony Parsons' picture.
2: Oh, that's a good one.
16: <laughs> when I first arrived, I think he gave me one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, I still have a jacket mm-hmm. that Tony gave me when I first got here because I didn't have a lot of jackets. He goes, here, just take this to a tailor and get it cut down. I'd offer mine, but there's a bit of a size there. You could get two jackets out of it. Yours would make (laughs) a wonderful tent for me, (laughs) but not a jacket. Um, Lacrosse got itself into the uh, 2028 Summer Olympics by inventing a new form of the game called lacrosse sixes.
12: When you watch the game, it is very exciting. It happens very fast.
16: Think of it as lacrosse's version of rugby sevens, played outside with less players than you'd see in a field lacrosse game.
1: Look forward to learning more. Also tonight, how Bob Turner's love of Bowen Island led to a lifetime of work preserving its natural beauty. Nice to know the Canucks have at least one all-star.
16: They should have more, really, Mm -hmm. but there's only so many guys who can go to All-Star Weekend. Quinn Hughes has been named as the Canucks representative at All-Star Weekend in Toronto February 1st to February 3rd. Now, each team sends one player for sure. And then there's a fan vote which decides the other 12, and four of those 12 will be goalies. You would think Thatcher Demko would get a spot, and maybe one other Canuck, perhaps Pedersen or J.T. Miller or Brock Besser for that matter. Uh, The Canucks, incidentally, are in St. Louis tonight. It's the beginning of a long, and I do mean long road trip for Vancouver, seven games between now and January 15th. Boy, this line has been great. Dakota Joshua, Connor Garland, Teddy Bluger, they've combined for 12 goals in their last 13 games. Here's Joshua, Bluger, Garland, red light. About two minutes into the game, and the Canucks have a 1-0 lead thanks to line three. A little scary moment game. though for Garland well, right at the end there, of the first period. Is he hurt? Down. Well, he doesn't look so good. Left left but he did come out today. for the second period. In Thomas the second Thomas period, one goal for St. St. Louis. Colton Pareko. The these two teams, teams have, have gone to the break after 40 minutes. Tied at 1-1. 1-1 after two. Well, what a day for Jonathan LeCaramacchi. Canucks prospect, this is the semi-final game between Sweden and Czechia at the World Junior Tournament and that's Le Caramacki scoring what proved to be the winner. The one-timer, he can shoot and he was the player of the game in this one for the Swedes, he'd get one more as well. Patrick Alvin's watching this over in Sweden and loving every minute of it. Three of Canuck prospects on the Swedish team but Le Caramacki has been the best. They'll play the U.S. in the final. Off to Hawaii, Kapalua Resort, first round of the century, and this is Abbotsford's Nick Taylor. He's in this event, so is Adam Hadwin and Adam Svensson. Taylor, that's an eagle. He's at four under par, four off the lead, and Hadwin and Svensson were both at three under after 18. So the sport of lacrosse was actually in the Olympics, way back, 1904, 1908, I think before television. Uh, but since only Canada, the U.S., and Great Britain played it at the time, the Olympic people thought, "Can't have this. You're out." Lacrosse wanted back in. Took a long time to get back in. The IOC told them they would only get back in the Olympics if they reinvented themselves, get a new version of lacrosse. Thus, lacrosse sixes was invented, and that's how they got to impress the Lords of the Rings. And lacrosse is now back in the Summer Games.
11: Canada quickly with Classic the Cloudier and what about that shot? Don't if
0: you've never heard of sixes lacrosse, well, it's because it is truly in its infant stage. The game was invented just a little over two years ago by World Lacrosse in a bid to get into the Olympic Games, and it worked. Six's lacrosse will be part of the 2028 Games in Los Angeles. It's a hybrid of outdoor and box lacrosse built for speed and plenty of goals. When you watch the game, it is very exciting. It happens
12: very fast. Uh, Everybody, both uh, the players, the officials, the spectators, everybody's excited during the game almost the entire time.
1: It's a shorter field than normal, so it's just back and forth. You play offense, defense off usually, um, change on the fly, and it's just like – it's honestly it's one of the hardest events that I've played in. you got to be in really, really good shape.
0: This new game of lacrosse is similar to the move rugby made when it came up with Rugby Sevens, a more action-packed game that should gain new fans. It has the wide open spaces of field lacrosse, but less rugged than box lacrosse, which will hopefully draw interest from budding lacrosse nations, thus growing the sport around the world.
12: So they've most recently activated uh, the Continental Federation in Africa. Uh, I was just in Hong Kong, so the Asia-Pacific region has also been activated with this game. There's probably 30 countries in Europe or more that are playing this actively all the
0: time. But Canada and the U.S. are certainly lacrosse superpowers. Reed Bowring has played field lacrosse in college and the pros and currently plays box lacrosse for the NLL's Vancouver Warriors. He had his first experience with sixes just over a year ago and knows a spot on Team Canada will be hotly contested.
1: I think probably every single lacrosse player I know would love to do it. Um, obviously the first in a long, long time for lacrosse players to have that chance, so it's exciting.
0: But the Olympic dream isn't just for lacrosse players. Keith Gagné also wants to get there as a referee. He's been a lacrosse official for nearly 30 years.
12: Not having that inclusion, it hasn't held us back in any capacity, but this just puts us onto a whole other stage, and uh, everybody in the sport is excited for that.
16: Yeah, the Olympics didn't want box lacrosse. They thought it was too rough. They didn't want field cross because there were too many players, mm-hmm. and there's only so much room in an Olympic village, so they came <laughs> up with this. They basically <laughs> combined the
2: two. This one is just right.
1: Just right. Smaller buses to carry everybody around, too. All right, thanks a lot, Squire.
2: Up next, Bob the Rebuilder. How the former mayor of Bowen Island helped revitalize the natural habitat of his beloved
1: community. This is BC, is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agency's group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong is
13: standing by in the newsroom with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Chris, as you mentioned earlier, the search for a senior who has Alzheimer's continues in the North Okanagan. We're watching that. Plus, questions tonight. If the Vancouver Park Board is missing an opportunity with the Stanley Park train to bring in more money. Tickets to Bright Night sold out weeks ago, online only, and not everyone who bought one is showing up for their ride. But even when the train has empty seats, potential walk-up customers are being turned away. We'll have that story tonight on Global News at 11. Chris? All right, thanks very much, Jordan.
2: Well, Bowen Island is just a quick ferry ride from Vancouver, and yet it feels like it's a world away from the city.
1: That's the attraction for its 4,000 or so residents, including Bob Turner a transplant from Ontario who eventually became the island's mayor and one of its biggest champions. Jay Durant has his story on This Is B.C.
6: In my early days on the island, its woods were my quick escape to the wild.
1: It was 35 years ago when Bob Turner first set foot on Bowen
6: Island, finding a new home that he's never left. I just thought to myself, there's enough here to keep me busy for a lifetime. Dad would take us on a week-long canoe trip. Fishing trips with his dad in Ontario's Algonquin Park first got him hooked on the outdoors. Turner's job as a geological scientist took him to the west coast where his conservation work began. He first moved to Bowen in 1989. House Sound was sort of at the end of an industrial era. It had been badly damaged by pulp mill waste and toxic waters flowing out of the Britannia mine. Two years later, he helped set up a group of scientists to look at ways to help the region rebound. We had foresters and oceanographers and marine biologists and soil scientists. Marine life flourished as new industry regulations kicked in. And the whales came in, big schools of dolphins came in to feed on the herring, Um, sea lions showed up, and it was a different ocean. The next big step was getting a wetsuit. Along the way, Turner started making documentary films, and the former mayor of Bowen Island has continued his conservation work. The big surprise in the lagoon was the algae forest, sparkling with bubbles. The thing I'm proudest about is really our work to create a UNESCO biosphere reserve for house Sound. That kid who once knew very little about B.C. has now spent three and a half decades working hard to revitalize the growth of wildlife in this part of the West Coast. Figuring out what really matters to you, your passions, and follow them. And and who knows where that'll take you. Um, But it'll probably take you to some pretty neat places. Jay Durant, Global News.
2: And if you know someone who has a great story to tell, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
1: Getting closer to that weekend, hoping for some snow on the local hills.
15: Mm-hmm. It's happening. It it's is happening. going to be happening. Good. Tomorrow night, <laughs> we're gonna be seeing rain tonight and through tomorrow, we'll be seeing snow on our local mountains, it's gonna be exciting. Uh, and then into Sunday night and into Monday, another chance of seeing some snow here around sea level. Hmm.
1: Cool, Not well sure look, that. look, we like slush, but usually on a beach with some, you know, what in exactly. there.
15: Did you see yeah. that sunny Sunday as well?
1: <laughs> yeah, and a little umbrella. I miss out, what'd you say? So-
15: oh, did you see the sunshine on Sunday as well?
1: Yes. We're getting it all. We're getting it all. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night.
15: Good night, all.